0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all of situations.
1: Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Let it reverse. the out. Go kill it, Kill it, Kill the out.
0: There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. That's reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates.
1: That was dark now.
2: Welcome to another edition of the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith, and I'm really excited to be joined for this episode by Grant Abseth of Indiana Sports Coverage. Grant is a Pacers expert. He knows everything about this team inside and out, so it's going to be really good to get his perspective on what could be a really interesting offseason for the Pacers. So we're going to go ahead and dive into the show. As you know, this is a deep dive show, so we are going to talk just about every play on the roster that could or could not return next year, including Paul George. So before we get started, though, Grant, thanks for coming on. I'm happy to have you join me today.
1: I'm really excited to join the show. Thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely. So let's, uh, as we always do, too, in order to look forward, we got to look back first. So talking about the Pacers, 42-40 and 40 in the 2017 season, 7th in the East, got kn- knocked out in the first round by the Cleveland Cavaliers, but in four really competitive games. They, they hung in there in that series and gave the Cavs a little bit of a run. For the regular season, the Pacers had an offensive rating of 108.6. That was 15th in the NBA. Defensive rating of 108.8, 16th in the NBA. And then for all that talk of play faster, play faster, they were all the way up to 18th in pace in the league. So not exactly faster. All of that, including the record, says to me, it was a pretty average season in Indiana. But Grant, you watched all the games. You know it better than I do. Tell, Tell us how the season went from your point of view.
1: Uh, I honestly would say Roller Coaster is like the perfect way to define that. It was the tale of, I believe, like four components. At first, they tried with a healthy roster with Ellis starting at shooting guard, and then it just they didn't realize it wasn't going to work because you don't know what works until you try it. And then Paul George got injured in, in I believe, mid to late December, and then they kind of continued to struggle there. And then they experimented with different starting lineups with C.J. Miles and Glenn Robinson III starting at shooting guard. And they started to have a a really good January. That was their best month. And then they had another strange stretch where Thaddeus Young went down, and they really struggled because they don't have power forward depth. And they lost like seven straight games right after a seven-game winning streak and then Paul George had his worst month of the season, and it it was a terrible February. And then, of course, he, after the All-Star break, took him a few games, but he really took off and played like an MVP, and they played really well closing the season.
2: Yeah, they did. and As you said, they closed strong, and then they gave the Cavs really one of their more competitive series up until obviously the finals and if if you're I don't know when this will post exactly but we are in between games three and four and it looks like the season is just about in the books as the Warriors are up 3-0 but we're here to talk Pacers and what we want to do now is dive into the offseason so we're going to go through a couple of details on the Pacers first and then we'll get into a bunch of the topics for what should be a should be, could be A really interesting season for Indiana So first of all For cap space I have the Pacers projected At a max cap space of $33.7 million. Again, as a reminder Max cap space is if they let all their free agents go Waived all the non-guaranteed players And did not sign their draft pick this year That's how much cap space they could get to Projected, I have the Pacers at about 11.7. And how I get to that projection Is what I came up with for Indiana was that they would pick up the team option on LaVoy Allen, keep all of their non-guaranteed contracts, which are of which there are five, um, one of the bigger numbers in the NBA, and then keep a cap hold for Jeff Teague in order to retain his bird rights, and that's $13.2 million. So that gets them to about $11.7 million in cap space. But Grant, I want to kick it to you. So their free agents on the roster right now or Jeff Teague, C.J. Miles, LaVoy Allen, and Aaron Brooks. What do you think, without, we're going to talk these guys in a little bit more in depth, but what do you think about that projection?
1: Um, I believe you're correct on a good portion of it. I, I disagree with LaVoy Allen. They don't have a lot of like options, really, with their 18th overall pick, and I think the most likely position they'll select is probably a power forward. So there wouldn't be really that much of a need to eat 4 million cap space for a traditional power forward in a modern game. And I I do definitely agree with the Aaron Brooks projection. He, he'd never really fit, and he wasn't even in the rotation during the playoffs. So I, I don't see him coming back. And C.J. Miles, he expressed, at least publicly, that he would like to return to the team and the Pacers seem to want to have him return to the team because he's one of their only shooters. So I, I would believe that they would keep their options open by not renouncing that cap hold. And I believe that Jeff T. I agree with what you said, I believe that they will try to bring him back, but of course they could always get priced out for him because some bad teams could offer him quite a bit of money that they don't really feel is worthy of offering him. So... I think I agree in most part, but that's basically how I see it.
2: Okay, and more like I said, we're going to get into the free agents here in depth a little bit more uh, in a few minutes, but first, got to talk the big storyline for the Pacers. This is the one that's going to dominate until it doesn't, and that's Paul George. So, to kind of bring everybody up to speed with what's going on with Paul George, he, he made a lot of... Cryptic and maybe even not-so-cryptic comments throughout the season at times, called out teammates, called out kind of the way that the team was playing and the roster and those types of things. And then at different points, it's been mentioned that he, he has said, not, not on the record necessarily, but it's said he wants to potentially go to the Lakers, and that's, you know, home for Paul George, take him back to California, and that he fully intends to test free agency when he's a free agent in another year. But the big development, which only happened over the last really couple of weeks, was he did not make one of the one of the three All NBA teams, and because of that, he does not qualify for the new designated player veteran extension, which is basically allows the Pacers to pay him all the way to the max contract. They could have done an extension with him and extended him all the way up to that max number starting as soon as this coming season. But because he did not make it, he is not eligible for that. He is eligible to renegotiate and extend, but that's not all that big of a bump in pay for him. And now it looks like he will indeed, barring something unforeseen in the 2018 season, he will hit free agency. But the question is, is he even going to be on the Pacers for the 2018 season? So Grant, that's where I'm going to kick it to you. What is your thoughts around Paul George?
1: I believe he'll be back for the 2018 season, but of course we don't know for the whole component of the 2018 season. Based on what I've seen so far on reports, I saw the Zach Lowe, the Low Post podcast, I believe that's what it's called. Uh, he, uh, Brian Winhurst, and Ramona Shelburne discussed Paul George as one of their topics on that latest episode, and they all agreed that it sounds as if the Pacers are not interested in trading him at this time. Of course, that could change. But at this time, that's what it's leaning towards because I also remember that um, Bleach Report... I forgot the particular reporter, but Bleach Report did report that uh, basically the same thing a few days earlier. So all of the expert um, reports basically say you should expect him to remain, but that could always change. Yeah, and I think that is one of the things where... what
2: my personal opinion is, and we're hearing conflicting reports, but this is the time of year for conflicting reports. If not for conflicting reports, we may not have any reports at all. But what I think is, I do think that they're going to hang on to him and then they'll let it play out, but if they get the sense that either one the season is not going well or he is definitely leaving. I do think Kevin Pritchard and the team will be aggressive and say, you know what, it's it's we got to move on. We can't let this guy walk away and then be left with nothing for him. So I do think we will see them potentially move on from from Paul George closer to the trade deadline. The question is what kind of package can you get for him now versus then? Because then he might only be a couple-month rental, and depending on which team acquires him, and we're obviously projecting now way into the future, is he going to be enough to lift them? So that becomes a question. But let's say they were going to entertain a trade for him now. What is the type of package you would have to get back? Let, let's say, Grant, we just you're running the Pacers now. You're the new GM. They decided to, to give you the job. What kind of package would you need for Paul George if you were going to move him right now?
1: That is really tough, but I believe it would have to be something substantial because I do believe that he wants to be in Indiana, but he only wants to win. Like he wants to win, so he'll stay if he can win. So there's always that solid chance that you can get him to come back. So you can't just give him up and then lose that chance of a superstar being on your team, of course. So I think it would have to be. Uh, a very good draft pick in this this year's draft class. Like, for example, it would have to have other components to the deal, but I do believe, like, a Sacramento 5th and 10th pick could be pretty um, substantial of a package to look towards. I did see reports that the first pick was not going to... You know, like, they're not looking to trade it for Paul George, based off what a few reporters said. And then also the Lakers with the second pick they had similar reports so i don't think you'll be able to get something too great but you kind of have to get something great to give up that chance of keeping him so i i don't even know i think it would probably have to be if Sacramento is willing to give the 5 and the 10 or if there's a team like Denver at the trade deadline last year who apparently gave a god offer we we never really saw what that offer was but you know if if someone comes at you with something like that then then you definitely have to take a listen to it.
2: Yeah, and that's what i have and I'm with you. I think it needs to be some combination of a really good pick and or a second really good pick or young player who's already shown the ability to play in the NBA. You know, a guy who's still obviously on his rookie scale deal and is someone that the Pacers could have long-term, but... We're going to see how that goes, but so it sounds like you are leaning towards him staying, so as we discuss the rest of this, we're going to discuss it from a lens of Paul George is around and going to be a part of the Pacers, because otherwise their free agent decisions would be drastically different, because without Paul George, they they pretty much immediately become a rebuilding team. But with him in the fold, they're they're a playoff contender, with, without a doubt. So let's get into those free agents. I know we talked about them a little bit earlier, but let's talk about Jeff Teague. He's obviously the biggest free agent, big trade acquisition last year. From my perspective, it took a little while for them to figure him out. And you mentioned it with Monte Ellis. The, the Teague Ellis backcourt was... Yeah, it kind of worked sometimes, sometimes it didn't. With Teague, Ellis, and George, that's three ball-dominant guys who need the ball a lot. None of them are really great playing off the ball. So it took a little while, but Jeff Teague, slow start. But then he came around, he looked a lot like the Jeff Teague we're used to seeing in Atlanta for several years. So you mentioned, and we're both in agreement, that they're going to keep the cap hold on him, keep his bird rights, and be able to re-sign him using those bird rights to a big contract. But what do you think happens with Teague? What kind of deal would you be comfortable with the Pacers giving him?
1: I would be comfortable with, I would say, maybe three years because you don't want it too long because you still don't know what's going to happen with Paul George. And you also, he's a small guard who's approaching the 30-year mark, so you don't want it to be anything too long. And you also want to make sure you can keep him. If you do keep Paul George and all that good stuff, so but the compensation, I would say under twenty million because you still have a few key players that are going to be coming off the books pretty soon that you'll need to resign, and it's just it's just hard because they have. I this sounds ridiculous, but they have Lance Stevenson who could potentially play the starting shooting or point guard position because he's he's preparing to play more point guard he's already dropped down to 215 pounds and he's working very hard at bankers life Fieldhouse every day so he's he's definitely ready to take that on if that's something that they need so you have a i guess an ace in the hole in case he does get a you know like a like a 25 million dollar per season offer that's just not worth it for jeff t so i would probably say around 20 million and under is what i would probably say
2: yeah, that's pretty much the range I'm in as well. I think it could take to 20 just seeing what some of the other guards are getting around the league and will get going forward. So, so that doesn't necessarily, uh, surprise me with that one, um, there. So, so. I would also say, from everything I have heard and told, Teague enjoyed his time in Indiana. He would like to return to the Pacers, but like all the rest of the Pacers, he's got his eye on the Paul George situation as well because Teague, you mentioned, he's starting to get a little older, and he wants to win. He doesn't necessarily want to be part of any sort of team that's rebuilding or a middling team or anything like that. He wants to be in the playoffs and on a contender. So let's uh, move forward now. Let's talk C.J. Miles next. So this guy feels like he's... You know, been on the Pacers as long as just about anybody. He is, you know, shockingly heading just completed his twelfth season in the league. And that's somewhat shockingly because he came he's one of the last guys who come out of high school as he was came out with the Utah Jazz back in the day. But he's really played an interesting role for Indiana. He's played anywhere from the two to four positions. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, right? He has played a little bit of four KD, yeah,
1: right? Yeah, he definitely has, yeah.
2: Yeah, which is odd because he's only about six foot six. But the guy, you know, is probably maybe one of the best shooters on the team, if not the best shooter on the team, and he has really become, you know, a solid role player. Plus, is what I call it, because he's kind of guy who can equally comfortable coming off the bench or starting. I know occasionally he's mentioned he really likes coming off the bench, but he does quite well in both roles. Where do you
1: see CJ Miles' future? I, it, I guess it depends on what happens with Jeff Teague too because they have a lot of strange correlating parts because I do believe that they'll look long and hard at starting Lance and I think they ultimately should. So if you have to pay C.J. Miles this summer. So you have to really think of it from this perspective. It's almost like Jeff Teague or C.J. Miles the decision process I would make, because it's really hard to pay both of those players and not actually see much improvement outside of player development. So I, I believe that I think it's safe to say if Jeff Teague doesn't come back, then it increases the odds of bringing back C.J. Miles, if that makes sense. Because the, the roster, it, it changed by bringing on Lance Stevenson, and he's a legitimate contributor and deserves lots of minutes. So it's just hard to really create that landscape. There's, like, option one, option two, option three. You know, kind of like the option tree. But I do see him returning. I don't have sources, of course, but I I think it ends up being that they get priced out for Jeff Teague, and then there's not really a whole lot of wing players on the market that match his shooting, because they definitely need shooting if they have Lance Stevenson and Paul George in the starting lineup. And there's some... Of course, they have Gordon Hayward and Danilo Gallinari on the market, but those probably aren't too realistic of options for them. So I would probably say by default it would be C.J. Miles.
2: I want you to keep Hayward in the back pocket because I want to come back to that one uh, before we wrap up uh, later in the show. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on Miles. I think he is a guy who could certainly return to the Pacers, but I think it's... I don't know that it's a lock that he's back. I think there's going to be a lot of things that happen with him. I do think this is probably his last shot at a somewhat good payday in the NBA. He's just you know starting to get a little older. He's going to be 30 or has already turned 30 um, this year. I think. Uh, let's take a look and see. I'm pulling it up right now. I believe now. you
1: are correct.
2: He did. He turned 30 in the middle of March. So yeah. So it's he he's starting to get up there. It's probably going to be his last good contract so we will see what happens with him going forward now the last two free agents LaVoy Allen the Pacers hold a team option on him they decline it, he becomes an unrestricted free agent Aaron Brooks an unrestricted free agent as well we don't have to spend a lot of time on those guys because you indicated when we we're talking about a cap space that you think they're both gone is that just really a matter of roster spots and not fitting anymore
1: I think Lavoy Allen didn't never necessarily fit, and I think it could be like a, a cap space does play into it because then they could ultimately open up maximum cap space for Gordon Hayward if they renounced all their cap holds, as you mentioned earlier. So I think that does play a factor into it.
2: Okay, yeah, and 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 you mentioned on Brooks, he was out of the rotation by the end of the year, and that's that was tough too because they didn't really have. I know Lance Stevenson came back and gave him some minutes there, but they didn't really have necessarily a good backup point guard. Uh, Joe Young, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, has never really taken that step forward and hasn't really developed, I think, as they hoped he might. Monte Ellis, at this point, we all know he is not a point guard. So when Teague went off the floor, there was a lot of times where it just looked, kind of messy um, without him, and so Brooks wasn't that answer, and I do think it's probably time for him to move on and be be somewhere else with a different team, so I mentioned Joe Young, so now what we want to do is we want to get into these partial and non-guaranteed players, so the Pacers have five, so we're just going to take them one by one, uh, kind of in order of what I determined to be uh most important to the team to least important. So let me uh let, let me know if I uh, if I'm off on that one obviously but I want to hear your thoughts on each guy. So we're gonna start off with Glenn Robinson the third. He has no minimum guarantee, so the Pacers can waive him at no cost to them, but he does become fully guaranteed on July 1st. So it would have to be one of those decisions, really, right as free agency's kicking off that the Pacers have to decide. My thought, personally, is there's no way in heck they're going to waive this guy. After the season he had really broke out, became a starter for a large chunk of the year, and played really well, my thought is that he will certainly be back for what is a contract of 1.5 million dollars which is pretty small but what's your thought on him Grant?
1: Definitely there's no way they let him go they're short on wings already and he could have a breakout season and find a niche as a 3 and D wing so there's no way they'll let that go. Yeah I think he is uh in a lot of ways he's a miles and George insurance right if, if either one of those
2: guys goes he's he's still around for really low cost for good production am I on the right track with that?
1: Definitely. He can kind of fill both. You know, like a poor man's Paul George, if you will. He can try to make plays. And then if you don't have C.J. Miles, he can just space the floor, move out the ball, all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, that makes sense. All right.
2: So now let's get into Joe Young. He is... On the books, again, non-guaranteed, $1.4 million, which is a minimum contract for a player with two years in the league, which he now has. And he is, again, fully guaranteed on July 1st. So it's one of those decisions you really can't wait very long. you gotta you got to make that decision really probably before you know a whole heck of a lot of what's going to happen in free agency. So what's your thought on Joe Young? Is he back or is he going to be elsewhere?
1: I believe he's back because they put two years into his development, and they could actually need a backup point guard. They haven't really needed a, a ball dominant guard or someone of his his skill set until now, because they you know they had Rodney Stuckey, Mon- they had Monte Ellis, Jeff Teague, and a lot just a lot of congestion there. And I think now would be the time for him to break out. If that's when he's going to break out.
2: Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to me. So then we are want to move next to the next guy on the list. So George Niang, he is, again, no minimum guarantee. He is fully guaranteed on July 15th. So a little bit different with him. The Pacers could know if they need that cap space or not. He he is on the books for $1.3 million, the one-year veteran minimum amount. And then he is also signed for another year in 2018-19, again, also fully, fully non-guaranteed. And he's one of those guys who... He he didn't do a whole heck of a lot. He spent a lot of time in the D League, went back and forth. He he did look okay at points in summer league, but he's got a lot of work to do. So what 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 are we looking for from from the Aang going forward?
1: I think they they hold on to him because they like to uh, test you know try to develop players over a couple of seasons, and then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And he's been around been around for one year, and really his concern was athleticism. He's got all the Attributes you would want really in a complimentary role offensive player, all that kind of stuff. So I, I think he'll he'll be back for sure.
2: Yeah, that's that's where I am as well. And, again, with a lot of these guys, it's it's cost versus potential. And for a guy like, like Nyang who makes just $1.3 million, there's really no reason to not bring him back. And even if, for some reason, you end up needing that roster spot, you waive that, eat that $1.3 million, it doesn't mean anything. You're not going to worry about that. Now, two guys who have been in the league a little bit longer, so we want to talk to them next. So, so Kameen Seraphin. He's on the books for $1.9 million, almost $2 million, and he's fully guaranteed on August 1st. So the Pacers will for sure know if they needed that $1.9 million, almost $2 million. by that point. they Usually free agency is about done about mid-July or so, so they'll, they'll know long in advance. He was kind of in and out of the rotation when Al Jefferson was healthy. He didn't play quite as much when Jefferson was was out. He, he played a little bit more. He's, at this point, probably a third big for most teams. He's not, not a, an overly super skilled guy, but he can do do some things. He's really kind of almost an ideal third big in a lot of ways. He's If nothing else, he's he's big and has six fouls. So what are you thinking on him? Is he coming back?
1: I believe so, because he ended up closing the playoffs as their backup center, and Al Jefferson was a healthy scratch for the whole series. So I think he'll be back because he he's actually impressed um quite a bit. They were trying to use him as a power forward throughout the year and he's two hundred and eighty pounds I believe so or really close to it based on his listing. so I, I don't that he should not be playing power forward and then <laughs> yeah. he succeeded when he did play center. so he's pretty agile for a two hundred and eighty pound <laughs> guy so. It was, it was pretty uh, impressive at sometimes. Yeah, you know, I,
2: lo- I what I always think with him is he's he's pretty agile for a center, but once you ask him to defend those stretch fours, you're probably in trouble. I don't know Definitely. if that, that that's what you want going on out there, but but I, I you know I, I don't know I, I didn't. Looked this up. I didn't have the opportunity to, but I know we played a little bit of time with Miles Turner with where they saw the floor, and it kind of looked at, at times like Turner. He's probably at this point a natural center just with the way the NBA is evolving. But because of his ability to step out and shoot the three, and he can move his feet a little, he can play out on the perimeter some. So, so you could even maybe steal a couple minutes against the bigger teams with the two of them together. Um, that way. And then the last guy, big, big guy, another big, and that's Rakim Christmas. So he is on the books for 50000 guaranteed, which is nothing. Again, fully guaranteed, just like Seraphin on August 1st. And again, the Pacers will know he, if he does become fully guaranteed, $1.4 million for Rakim Christmas. I can tell you, I saw him had Orlando Summer League last year, and that guy busts his tail. He was one of the hardest-working big men that the Pacers had on their Summer League roster. Just really ran the floor hard, banged bodies inside, hedged well on screens, did a lot of things. Looked in a lot of ways like he was probably a little too good, which he probably is at this point to really be spending a lot of time on the Summer League team. But what the 50 k guarantee really is, is that's a training camp contract. That says come to camp. You know, if, if things don't work out, we'll cut you and give you 50K for your for your time. So here's what the the kind of deal for me is. I think he's definitely coming back. He'll be a camp guy. And then based on the way the rest of the roster goes, we'll, we'll know if he's going to be there or not. What's your thoughts on Christmas?
1: I agree because he can, he can sort of fill a role at both big man positions. So I, I think there's definitely a spot for him as like a, a fill-in type backup player.
2: Yeah, he's just not a you know, he, he's just not a uh, you know, guy who's probably gonna be a rotation guy at any point, but he's he's definitely somebody who's good good practice guy, you get have deep on your bench. Uh, at this point honestly I'd probably rather have him than a Lavoie Allen. Um and maybe go with another better prospect uh to kind of work in there that, that might work out a little bit better, especially cost wise roster. So so that's what the Pacers' current roster is facing, but now let's turn it forward to to the draft. And the Pacers, because of having what, what I kind of led the show with as a perfectly average season, they've got a perfectly average draft pick. They get the 18th pick in the draft. And I know you spend a lot of time covering the Pacers, tracking the guys that they've had in for workouts, the players they might be looking for. So let's give all of our listeners an idea of who they had in and what are they looking at.
1: Well, for the most part, in the first five workouts, they really had second-round picks in for their workouts. And then after, I believe, the third workout, they started to have one one or two first-round projected guys. And um, they had, like, T- UCLA power forward TJ Leaf, and then they've had um, a couple of other key... I'm going to get the page up for you. A couple of key first-round picks that they've been projected to in a couple of mock drafts. Um, It's been mostly big men, but they have, I believe they've been trying to find, like, a second-round pick who can fill a 3 and D shooting guard type role, because they brought in a lot of guys like Devon Reed from Miami who who seem to really fit that type of role
2: yeah that that that's an interesting one that's a he, he's a guy whose name is kind of you're, you're right he's holding around that second round number i believe the pacer's second rounder forty seventh so kind of again right in the middle middle of that so in the first round, I know you'd mentioned before power forwards who who's some of the guys you like around the eighteenth pick that you think would be a good fit?
1: I really like Oregon Power Four Jordan Bell. He seems to have a lot of athleticism and playmaking ability on the defensive end of the floor, and he's even showing some perimeter shooting touch in some of his workouts.
2: Yeah, Bell Bell has been a uh, basically a high riser here later. Um, as we get closer to the draft, he for a long time, I know, I believe Draft Express still hasn't pegged as a second round pick, but, but he's the guy who's definitely moving up some draft boards. Some of the NBA scouts and teams I've talked to seem to be liking him more and more as we go. I just pulled it up, so <laughs> this is kind of funny to me. But Draft Express, and, and I don't pretend to know more than those guys, they definitely know more than most of us. But they have the Pacers in their latest mock draft taking Jared Allen from Texas. So, I guess you made out pretty well with one Texas big. Why not go back to that well a second time?
1: <laughs> I do think that, um, like, I like Jarrett Allen as a player, but I, I don't know. It's an iffy fit because both aren't too quick on their feet, both Miles Turner and Jarrett Allen. And Allen doesn't really have that much of an outside game. So it's hard to really figure out how to make that work when there's other players like Jordan Bell who can provide a clean contribution. Yeah, I, I don't
2: personally I don't think Allen would be the pick there. I don't think that's the direction they're gonna go. I think um that they will look to definitely go with a more traditional or not traditional, I should say, new new age stretch four type of guy who can play a little bit, I think. I know one of the guys that they liked at one point, he's probably now improved his stock enough that he's out of the range, but was John Collins, the sophomore out of Wake Forest, big kid. He averaged 19 points a game, 6'10", has good shooting touch, good offensive skill, looks like he's got enough skill to add range on his jumper, and that was somebody that they definitely had shown some interest in. I've also heard TJ Leaf out of UCLA thrown around on occasion, and that would also be another interesting pick if they wanted to go that direction. I I heard, had one person tell me that their ideal would have been a guy from right in state, OG Ananobi. Um, just he's an Indiana guy and fits a little bit of what they need, can play a little bit of small forward, a little bit of power forward, could be good insurance if George was to leave as somebody they could build around. But, again, looks like his stock might be a little too high uh, for this point for the Pacers to get their, their hands on. Have you, will you get any thoughts on any of those guys and how they would fit?
1: Uh, OG Anunabi, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, he would be a very good fit because he – he plays tenacious defense. I also heard that. Um, well, actually, I just posted a an in depth analysis on T.J. Leaf. I don't think he. I know it, he appears to be a great fit with his shooting ability, but I have concerns with his defensive execution because he doesn't really. You know, I I I'll just let people check that out because it, it's there's all kinds. I can go on all day. Yeah, but don't give also, don't give away the yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. make
2: them go go read <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also. Uh, I also saw a report from Indy Star writer Nate Taylor, who covers the Pacers as their beat writer, that the Pacers were most interested in Donovan Mitchell, the Louisville shooting guard, and he he would also be a very good fit.
2: Yeah, he would be. You know, he's a guy who would be almost the uh, the Monte Ellis replacement. Um, little little undersized, he's about six foot three, but he's got a good wingspan. He's got a six foot ten wingspan on him, so that's really solid. Uh, for a guy his size. He's a tough kid. He's in a lot of ways that uh, typical Louisville guard. He's not afraid to get inside and mix it up, can shoot it a little bit and continue to, to improve. So, yeah, I could see him being someone who could help. The, the draft's going to be really interesting this year because there's just there's so much movement after the top couple of picks and it'll bounce all over the place. So it'll be really interesting to see which direction that goes in there. But now, after the draft, we're going to get right into free agency. So who are some of the guys you think could be targets for the Pacers? And let's kick it right off with Gordon Hayward, the hometown kid. Is there... If Paul George is around, I don't think that they're going to be able to get to the cap space needed to get Hayward even in the door, unless they moved on from everybody else, which creates a whole other host of roster issues. But do you think there's any chance Hayward wants to come back home and play for the hometown team?
1: I have no sources, but I'm sure he would. But I also did, uh, because a lot of, of course, Pacers fans, And Butler fans would love to have Gordon Hayward back in his hometown. I actually did do a calculation article of how they could get to that without, that cap space, I mean, without having too many roster issues. And really the key is using the 18th pick on a power forward like Jordan Bell, which is, you know, the guy who I would put in my big board in the top three for them anyways. And then they would really, they could, they'd have to renounce all their cap holds. They would have to use Lance Stevenson as their starting shooting guard, or point guard, I mean, and then have Paul George at shooting guard, and then Gordon Hayward at small forward, and then their bench would basically be Monte Ellis unless they got creative and wanted out of his contract and found a replacement for him, but... Likely he'll remain and he'll be in that spot. And then shooting guard slash small forward because he'll probably be ready to play heavy minutes is Glenn Robinson the third. And then we have Jordan Bell as we previously mentioned and then Kevin Sarakon. So they'd have a full rotation of solid players and theoretically the cap space to I believe sign the thirty point eight million for the twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen eighteen season for Hayward, I believe that's what it was
2: uh thirty point three now is what the new okay. projection is that thirty point eight would have been at the one oh two cap one oh one caps about thirty point three but yeah, I mean at that point be, at that point I would hope five hundred thousand dollars if that's where he wants to be is not going to make a difference, and he would uh make that work so so that is interesting, so I highly encourage everybody to go check out grant 's work on that one that's You know, obviously, if you're listening to this show, you're probably into that kind of stuff. So go uh, check that out and see what it looks like. So barring the pie in the sky there and getting Hayward to come back home, who are some of the guys that you think might make good additions to this team? Because even if they do keep George, they're probably going to have a decent, healthy amount of cap space to add at least one more uh, rotation guy, potentially even a starter.
1: Again, I guess it all really depends on Jeff Teague because I do think that one of their current roster or in house guys will be starting at shooting guard, whether they bring back CJ Miles or if it's Lance Stevenson. So that kinda makes it to where there's no remaining starting spots if George returns. And I you know, of course when you turn to the bench, one of the eighteenth pick will likely be used on a rotation contributor. So I could see it being either a power forward that they sign, like a veteran Patrick Patterson, or some you know, like a modern stretch big who knows his role and has been established at it, or a backup point guard who doesn't really need the ball, who's kinda like a you know, a faux ball handler who doesn't really handle the ball but thrives kinda like a three and D but can handle the ball sort of thing. But I haven't really seen anyone on the market that fits that description, so I'm leaning towards they'll probably keep Monte Ellis for that role, for the backup point guard role. So it's just really hard. If, if it's Jeff Teague, they really don't have much space, and they really don't have many holes to fill. And if he doesn't come back, then that opens the floodgates because then there aren't really any point guards to throw a bunch of money at that would come to Indiana, likely. And they have been very high on Stevenson. I know Larry Bird even called him their best playmaker and passer and has said that he's wanted him to be a point guard for years. So, And Kevin Pritchard, in his introductory press conference, has said that he's becoming more and more apt to do that, you know, like, favorable of that idea. So I do believe if Lance Stevenson is that point guard, then they could target... They would have a lot of cap space. They could target Hayward. They could target Danilo Gallinari. And then if those two fail... They could target a lesser option, kind of like Rudy Gay. I know they were linked to him last summer, and he's coming off an Achilles injury. So it makes it kind of difficult to really gauge if that's someone they would want over a CJ Miles who would be continuity and would actually, you know, kind of not be as much money, I don't think. Maybe they might be similar prices, but you do have his bird rights. I believe they do. Yeah, they do. do, Okay, I just checked. Yeah, they do. So. And then that leaves the option, if they want to go over the soft cap, to address maybe the one of those backup um, holes, like, as I was mentioning earlier, the point guard or the power forward position, if they didn't use the 18th pick on one of those spots and they still needed someone.
2: Yeah, I do think, I, you know, I haven't really thought of Patrick Patterson until you just mentioned it, but that that's a really good point. I think he would be a really good fit. For the Pacers, I, th- I think he becomes a solid uh, pickup. So I think that is a uh, you know a nice um, look for them. That would make a lot of sense to me. And then I think one thing that they will come out with, I, I you, you kind of were around it, but one of the things I think will happen there is I think that they will uh, pick up a backup point guard. If for no other reason, then I don't think they really want. Um, Teague playing big, heavy minutes, going late or going as he gets later in his career is what I'm trying to say. So I think it will be interesting um, to see which direction they go there, there. there's a lot of decent point guard options on the market. So now we don't. We're, we're mostly focused on this off season, but I do want to flip it forward to next year, so a year from now, because the Pacers. They really were smart with the way they structured a bunch of these contracts. We learned fairly late in the year, it wasn't a really well-known fact, that Rodney Stuckey's deal was structured in such a way that they could waive his final year at no cost to the team, which is not generally the case with a player option. It almost makes it like a mutual option, which is very much a Major League Baseball thing. And they, it has come out... But again, very recently, within the last couple of months or so, that Monte Ellis's contract is set up the same way. So what that all leads me to is, if for some reason Paul George opts out and moves on, and the Pacers have a sense that that's going to happen, they can move on from Ellis at no cost. They can waive Al Jefferson and only have to eat $4 million on the books from him. They, could, they have a team option on Stevenson, so if things really aren't working out there, they can move on from him. Thaddeus Young probably will opt out, and they could choose to move on and really rebuild this team quickly with a ton of cap space and a lot of openings. So, so I think that's one of the things that's going to be really fascinating. I don't know that this summer the Pacers can lock into anything more than a couple of years of big money, just because there's a lot of uncertainty going forward. And do do you agree with that? Do you think that's on the same path?
1: Definitely. I think the only guy you can do that for is probably Gordon Hayward, and you know it's yeah. a completely different ball game if that happens.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because that's bringing in a guy who is your. He he essentially becomes your new big star either next to George or replacing Paul George at that point. So yeah, that's that's a little bit of a different story, but I don't think you can lock into a you know, an average type player who's just gonna be a rotation guy for you for, you know, much more than one or two years. That could lead to some deals that look like they're slight overpays. For a couple of years, just because you're trying to make sure you get these guys and keep Paul George happy and get the team into a better place. So, really interesting. Grant, I really want to say thank you, man, for coming on the show. This was fantastic. You know, the Stevenson tidbits of how hard he's working to try and be a point guard, that was something that that I don't think unless it's someone who's as close to the team that that's going to get out there. So that's what we're looking to have is guys like you who have that in-depth knowledge of the team. So I really appreciate that. So do me a favor. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Go ahead and plug yourself.
1: Okay, my website is indianasportscoverage.com and that's where you can find all my in-depth paces analysis and news. And my Twitter handle is at Grant A-F-S-E-T-H. It's just my first and last name. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram if you're on those outlets as well.
2: Fantastic. So thanks again for coming on. Uh, what we're going to do, Grant, I can tell you 100%, if, if something happens with Paul George, you're going to be my first call to get back on here and break it down for how that affects the Pacers. So thanks for coming on. For all you listening out there, this has been the NBA Front Office Show. If you're enjoying the show, please go to iTunes and give us a rating and review. really would help us out quite a bit. You can send me feedback. Twitter's probably the best and quickest way. At Keith Smith, NBA, K-E-I-T-H, S-M-I-T-H, NBA. No spaces, no special characters, nothing like that. Send me feedback. Get me going on in the show so we know what we need to improve, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear, and how we can be better. We're looking to grow this and provide that outlet for fans who love roster building and the salary cap and free agency and all those things just as much as I do. That is the hope for the show. As I said, this has been the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next time.
1: It. My feet are
2: <laughs> wet.
0: Here's the <laughs> drain plug. You put the plug in the <laughs> drain, right? Ah, uh, it's on the <laughs> dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, <laughs> Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Say another way to save money: don't buy those uh, expensive coffee this every morning. You know, and then you can save up for a, I don't know, a really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying, it's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.